Welcome back and thanks for joining us this morning. Another cool day today. Yes, winter is dragging its heels. We're looking forward to some very mild temperatures this weekend. Now, I would say probably next week is when we get the mild temperatures. This weekend, more seasonable. Not the bitter cold, at least. That's that's some good news. Well, this has been a breaking news story that you've been hearing here our whole morning. Our own senior reporter, Lara Fominoff, is breaking the story that Vital Metals has gone bankrupt in Saskatoon, moved its operations to the Northwest Territories. And this is almost exactly a year to the day that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau visited Saskatoon to tour the rare earth facility that was touted as a major move in the race to clean energy. But as it turned out, I guess the cost of getting that company up and running was too much for the company to handle. It's been sold off. And that's why we want to talk with our senior reporter who is joining us live in studio with the exclusive story. Thanks, Laura, for taking the time this morning. Thank you so much, Evan. So this is a pretty big deal. Vital Metals, I mean, locked the doors, walked away from Saskatoon after that big announcement with the federal government. How did we go in one year from champagne glasses to padlocks? I guess in in a succinct statement, Evan, it's because of costs, uh, because China has a monopoly on the markets in around the world, really, uh, on the rare earth minerals market. Everything went up in price, and uh, the initial cost of the facility was supposed to be about $20 million, and by uh, July, the cost had ballooned to $60 million, and Vital Metals, which is an Australian-based company that opened up this uh, facility in Saskatoon said, you know what, we can't do this anymore. Now, the provincial government said it, you know, the company was looking at a very specific product, and the company itself said they couldn't secure sales for their product on commercially satisfactory terms. So it's curious to me a couple of things that that you just talked about. Number one, that China has influence on on basically how other people can step into this market. Do we have any idea how are they exerting their power to basically monopolize this market. China has is buying up uh, assets around the world, and it, it also, um, yeah, and that, that, that includes Canada. In fact, um, Vital Metals has moved, like I, I was saying, and I mentioned in my story, it has moved its operations to a mine, a rare earth processing facility in the Northwest Territories, where it actually has sold off nearly six million of its shares to China uh, in an effort to pay off creditors and so forth, and some of the materials that they've already mined there have also been sold to China. So the Chinese market is dominant around the world for rare earth minerals, and that's the way they want to keep it, by buying assets and by buying mines and by buying product, not only within its own country, um, but around the world. So speaking of that, you talked about selling off equipment. I know you had a conversation with Dan DeGagne at McDougal Auctions. They were the company that basically came in to sell off the assets, the equipment, for Vital Metals, and it went for pennies on the dollar, did it not? That's right. So Vital Metals, after pausing construction in April, um, said we have to do an investigation, figure out what's happening here. And then by late September, uh, it said, no, we're, we've gone bankrupt. And so MNP was appointed as the licensed insolvency trustee. And uh, just before Christmas, December 24th, McDougal Auctions was appointed as the auctioneer to sell off all of this equipment that uh, Vital Metals had amassed in its facility in Saskatoon. And this was all brand new stuff never even turned on never used and 
as soon as that auction went uh, up on the internet, there was interest from around the world. Uh, when I spoke with Dan Degonia, he said they had immediately been getting calls from Texas, from Chicago, from Bulgaria, from Tangier, Morocco, like from around the world wanting this brand new, never used equipment. Some of it, he was saying to me, went for, you know, might have been a million dollar piece of equipment and went for tens of thousands of dollars. So, so they, they, they didn't do well on their auction. They sold stuff very cheap, I would suggest. When does it have to be out of the facility? It's, it's a, like they're in a big warehouse in Saskatoon. When does the, the equipment actually have to be removed? So that's going to be the big cost for the companies who bought this equipment for pennies on the dollar. They have to pay to have it all dismantled and they have to have it shipped out of that warehouse. And the deadline is January 31st. So in less than two weeks, all of that stuff in the Saskatoon location has to go and has to be shipped out internationally. Talking with Lara Fominoff this morning, senior reporter who is following this vital metals, dis- I guess, disbanding and, and, uh, can we call it a bankruptcy knowing that they're opening up in the Northwest Territories? Absolutely. The Saskatoon company has gone bankrupt and that's what MMP was um, in charge of. It was in charge of the uh, bankruptcy uh, matters. Um, it's a struggling company in Australia and even though it has moved to the Northwest Territories, they're still struggling uh, at their mine in the Northwest Territories. Uh, as I was mentioning, they're selling off shares to a Chinese uh, rare earth mining company as well, um, selling off millions of their shares for only a penny, for one penny. So they raised about $6 million there for that. And even the stuff that they're mining there, they're selling off for several million dollars because initially when Justin Trudeau was here, he, um, they, they, Prairies Can announced a $5 million uh, loan essentially to Vital Metals. It was an interest-free loan. And because uh, the company has gone bankrupt in Saskatoon here, the federal government wants its money back and uh, it's going after the money as, as now a collector. So... <laughs> <laughs> this is a bad this is a bad comparison but I'm thinking about you know you go to a wedding you take a gift and then you find out they're getting a divorce and you want your wedding present back the the feds are saying we want our 5 million dollars back and premier mo who wasn't invited to this press conference uh, that happened a year ago he's probably thinking I didn't miss anything I guess so here's the question though are rare earth you know mining is that completely now off the table for Saskatchewan like the government invested 30 million dollars if i'm not mistaken back in 2020 in rare metal mining through the Saskatchewan Research Council i'm assuming that's still alive and well in our province that is still going ahead. Now, I still have I have questions for the Saskatchewan Research Council as well. I'm actually going to be visiting their facility next Tuesday afternoon to see where they are in that process. So SRC wants to make it clear, though, it has nothing to do with vital metals and their products. It's sort of more of a mid-level, more inclusive rare earth uh, mining facility. Uh, mining facility. Um, now, from what I've been able to find out, initially in a in a news article I read, the cost was. $55 million. This morning I got an email indicating that the the uh, cost is now $71 million, but it's apparently on time and on budget. Again, it was supposed to be open for 2024, uh, but it's not open yet as far as I'm aware. So I'm not sure if there are different stages where this is going to be happening or if something's going to open this year, but the provincial government is invested in it, tens of millions of dollars, and they are determined to go forward with it. Laura Fominoff, and you'll, I'm assuming, keep us up to date after you go and visit the Saskatchewan Research Council, how that went, what you found out? 
Absolutely. Laura, thanks so much for taking the time this morning. Anytime, Evan. Thanks. Se- senior reporter Laura Fominoff joining us, talking about Vital Metals, which has gone bankrupt in Saskatoon about one year to the day when the Prime Minister was out here, gave them an injection of $5 million to help them do this this metal mining that they were talking about doing in the province. And then, as you've heard uh, now, they've gone bankrupt. In fact, I mentioned the fact that Laura had talked with Dan DeGagne of McDougal Auctioneers. Um, there was a lot of interest and excitement in basically auctioning off some of this brand new equipment. Are you getting interest in this in uh, Vital Metals? Lots of interest. It's been quite a busy three and a half, four weeks for myself, um, dealing with guys from all over the world, touring people through the facility from Bulgaria, from Tangier, um, a lot of uranium companies, and then, of course, a lot of rare earth uh, mining companies, right? They're interested in all the big equipment, for sure. None of this stuff has ever been turned on, even. Like, this whole plant, everything's pretty much brand new. Now that the auction's over, it's got to be removed by the end of the month from the facility in Saskatoon, and uh, Lara Fominoff will continue to follow this story. You're listening to The Evan Bray Show on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Well, as we've been talking about, the teachers have told us they are holding a news conference at 1 o'clock today to let us know what job action will look like on Monday. They told us yesterday something was coming. Today they'll tell us what. Or we expect that that's what they're holding this for. Our newsroom will follow this and bring you the information as soon as we know it. This morning we talked with Premier Scott Moe on the issue of education and teachers. And during the conversation, which of course you can go back and listen to if you want to check it out on the website, but he talked a lot about the importance of consultation and communication with teachers, with teacher assistants, with people that work in the education field. And I, and I had to ask him if he felt as if that was happening. I think consultation is is one area where we've seen our current government fall down. I saw it in policing, and I know it's tough to do. I, As a leader in policing, we were often criticized for not talking with the people that are out there doing the job. And so it's a, it's a concerted effort to do it. But the premier opened the door, so I wanted to go there. And I asked them, do you think that collaboration and consultation is happening right now? No, it is happening. Uh, that consultation is happening. And I, I, would, I would say that it needs to continue to happen. Um, Everybody knows a teacher, including myself. You have a friend that is, uh, you know, in the classroom. I spend some time in the classroom myself. You have family members that are in the classroom. There's no doubt that the, the issues that the, the, the STF is raising, they're important issues, in particular uh, the, the classroom complexity issue. And it's one that I think this government uh, is taking very seriously, uh, lining up and supporting our divisions and supporting our teachers with that $53 million investment uh, just this year. The... Um, so that, that conversation is happening. It'll be a little bit, uh, I'm sure, very public uh, in the next uh, number of while, little while until we can find our way uh, to an agreement. And that is the intent of this government is to find our way to uh, what is a fair agreement for all Saskatchewan people that are investing in our education system. And they're investing more than any other Canadian uh, region, um, but also fair for our, for our educators in the classroom. And that's exactly uh, the government's intent here. We need to continue uh, talking uh, to individual teachers across the province and continue talking to parents as well as to what are the expectations in our education system, what is fair uh, for those that are, are working and providing uh, that, that education uh, in that system. And as, as I said, start to look at, you know, both sides of the K-12 system. You know, are, are our children 
ready uh, to enter the, the workforce when they leave? Are they ready uh, to enter uh, a post-secondary uh, institute, whether that be a, a trades training uh, college or whether that be one of our, our universities in Saskatchewan or abroad? Um, and also then look at our teachers uh, as they as they come out of the post-secondary system. Are they ready to enter into, uh, you know, the classroom, um, which is, is, as we say, is uh, I think everybody can understand is, is very different today than it was, um, you know, a number of years ago. And so more conversation needs to happen in this space, but I think it has been happening. And I, I would point back to, uh, you know, the very first um, decision I made uh, just about six years ago, actually, almost to the day of just about a month shy, um, was to add $30 million to the education system in year for educational assistance, to hire 400 educational assistants. That was the very first decision I made uh, when I became premier uh, just under six years ago. Uh, we've done the very same this year, adding uh, $53 million uh, into our education system education system uh, post-budget uh, because of our, our growing classroom size and because of the understanding and some of the recommendations that came out of a committee uh, to address some of the complexity um, challenges that our, our teachers, our students, and our, our, our families are facing across the province. And so there's much uh, to be said for in-year funding that has been uh, provided. Um, unfortunately, it's not always there at budget time, uh, but it does come in-year. And I think it speaks to just how quickly our classrooms are changing in size and scope and, and how, uh, you know, we as a government need to support our divisions and all involved in addressing uh, the challenges that we're seeing. And we're, we're attempting to do all of that by listening. There was Premier Scott Moe this morning. One of the other things I wanted to get into as I chatted with him was the, the political side of this. Lots of people have talked about that pronoun battle that we saw unfold last fall as basically political posturing. And I said that to the Premier this morning. Teachers have, I think, traditionally been supported strongly by the NDP, and they are being supported by the NDP in this situation. Not to say that there are... There isn't some allegiances that, that lie on the other side of the political spectrum. But the question for the Premier is, does politics cloud the way you look at a situation like this? The, 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 uh, you're right on the, on the pronoun policy. Uh, we view that as a parental rights policy uh, that uh, parents had input with on with their um, with their elected members. And it really was formalizing a policy that was largely in place in virtually every classroom across the province for, you know, throughout time. Um, when it co- And I also disagree with respect to uh, teachers, individual teachers aligning with one party or the other party. Uh, you know, I, I know many teachers that, you know, will vote uh, a variety of different ways over uh, the course of their, let's call it their voting career or their, their career in the classroom, um, and rightfully so. Um, I think whoever's in government, whether whichever party's in government, needs to have a, an open ear uh, to our educators. They're doing some of the most important work. Uh, in our communities. That's why I think in Saskatchewan, I, I think there's a general understanding of that. And that's why I think Saskatchewan people, if you ask uh, any family or individual, I think they'd be very proud of the fact that uh, we as, 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 uh, as society in, in this province are investing more per capita in our education system than any other place in Canada. That's, that's politically, uh, you know, irrespective of politics. And I, I think we'd, we'd all be proud of that. And we are proud of that. I'm proud of that as, as an individual. Premier Moe. To do. Yeah, I think, I think that, you know, really sums up. If you, if you look at that chat that we had this morning that lasted the better part of 25 minutes, really the theme that I feel the premier brought out is the need to talk with teachers to understand what teachers are bringing forward. So the proof, the proof is going to be what we see as a result of that. If that truly is the way the government leans into this, 
Um, doesn't guarantee smooth sailing at the bargaining table, but if we can start to see some efforts to bring about resolution in some of these class complexities, whether it's at the bargaining table or not, I, I don't think it's going to be at the bargaining table. It'll be aside from that. Focus on wages, benefits, that sort of sort of thing at the, at the bargaining table. And, and let's, let's get the school boards involved. Let's hear from the school boards on these discussions and, uh, see if we can move the needle at all. Time will tell. You're listening to 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.